Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We pray uh, this morning that you would give us ears to hear. Uh, you would give us minds to understand and hearts to accept your word to us this morning. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as you look back over the history of the world, uh, there are particular moments in time, certain events that changed the course of history to such an extent that a nation and, and sometimes even the world is never the same again. Moments that transform the behavior, the expectations, the hopes of entire nations. You might think perhaps of uh, the invention of Gutenberg's printing press or the storming of the Bastille in the French Revolution, the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand that led to the First World War, the invention of penicillin, the 9-11 terrorist attacks, the outbreak in Wuhan of the virus that would come to be known as COVID-19. Each of these events, these moments in history have so transformed and changed our world that you can legitimately say, if not for this thing that happened, our world would look very different. And as you read through the Bible, of course, every event, every passage is significant in the unfolding of God's salvation plan. But there are some moments that are particularly significant. Moments that become turning points on which so much rests. Events that so transform the, the expectations, the hopes of ancient Israel that they would never be the same again. 2 Samuel chapters 6 and 7 is one of those passages. A turning point in Israel's history and in the unfolding of God's salvation plan. So much of Israel's hopes and expectations for the next thousand years rests on what happens in those two chapters. And not only Israel, but Christians, the church, us, so much of what we believe about Jesus rests particularly on the promise of God in 2 Samuel chapter 7. Psalm 132 is a, a royal psalm. It's a, it's a prayer of the king. It ultimately finds its fulfillment in Jesus. But the king offers this prayer at the temple, a prayer that recalls the events of those chapters in 2 Samuel. So keep that psalm open. Flick back in your Bibles, Psalm 132. Keep that open in front of you as we take a closer look this morning. You'll notice the, the heading there, uh, A Song of Ascents. It's part of a group of uh, 15 psalms, Psalm 120 to 134. They're all called Songs of Ascent. And uh, they were probably sung by the people or, or by the king as they uh, made their way up to Jerusalem, as they made their way up to the temple, uh, as they ascended uh, on various different occasions, pilgrimages uh, and festivals. Yeah, songs for particular occasions, right? It feels weird to sing Christmas carols anytime other than December, anytime other than Christmas, even though they weren't all necessarily written to be sung at Christmas, they end up being used that way. Uh, and so uh, this is probably what these uh, Psalms of Songs of Ascent uh, ended up being used for. So as the, the king approaches the temple, as the king approaches God's dwelling place where the Ark of the Covenant stood, he prays this prayer, Psalm 132. And it begins with a request. Remember, O Lord, in David's favour. Remember, O Lord, in David's favour. And when you see God remembering things in the Bible, it doesn't mean he forgot. 
I've got a terrible memory. I forget things all the time, but God doesn't forget things. Now, when God remembers, when you read in the Bible that God remembered someone, what you'll notice is he immediately acts to restore, to save, to redeem his people. When God remembered his people in Egypt, he acted to rescue them. When God remembered Noah in the ark, he made the waters subside. When God remembered Rachel, Jacob's wife, he opened her womb. God remembering doesn't mean he forgot. God remembering means he's about to act, to save, to restore, to redeem his people. And this is what the king is asking here, that God would remember that he would act to bless the king and his rule over the people, and therefore the people would be blessed as well. But what's interesting here is the request is for God to remember in David's favor. And down in verse 10, we see a similar request, for the sake of your servant David, do not turn away the face of your anointed one. It's not remember, O Lord, in my favor. Remember and act for my sake as the king of Israel, or even remember for the sake of your people. No, remember in David's favor. Remember for the sake of David. <coughs> King asks for God's blessing, not because of him, not because he deserves it, but because of David, for the sake of David. So what was it that David did? Why would the king ask God to remember in David's favor? How is it that God acting to bless the king now would be for the sake of David? That's what we see as we go through this psalm. It's essentially split into two sections, each beginning with an oath. We see first David's oath to the Lord in verses 2 to 5, which is then followed by a remembrance of the Ark of the Covenant coming to Jerusalem. And then we see God's oath to David in verses 11 and 12, and it's followed by an account of God's choice of Zion as his dwelling place. So David's oath, the Ark comes to Jerusalem, God's oath, God's choice of Jerusalem. So firstly, let's have a look at David's oath to God. Have a look. Verses 1 to 5. We're going to read these again. Remember, O Lord, in David's favor, all the hardships that he endured, how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob, I will not enter my house or get into my bed or give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. David's oath was to find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for God. Many years earlier, at Mount Sinai, God had given Moses instructions to build the tabernacle, a tent. Before this, God would appear um, to his people at various different places. But once it was built, this tent would be the, where the Israelites would go to meet with God. Inside this tent was a there was a special room called the Holy of Holies, and in the Holy of Holies stood the Ark of the Covenant, a golden box containing the Ten Commandments. The top of the box, the lid, is called the mercy seat. This is where God would sit. This is where he would speak. He would dispense mercy from above the Ark of the Covenant. And so where the Ark was, God was. This was his dwelling place. Whenever the Israelites moved, they'd pack up the tent. The ark would go first. God would lead his people. 
And so when David became king, he decided to bring the ark to Jerusalem, to Zion. Zion, Jerusalem was where his palace was. It was where David ruled his people from. David made it his mission, essentially, to make Jerusalem God's dwelling place, to bring God, the presence of God, to Jerusalem. And so the psalm recounts the, the journey of the ark to Jerusalem. Have a look with me at verses 6 to 10. Behold, we heard of it in a pathra. We found it in the fields of Jah. Let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, and go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness and let your saints shout for joy. For the sake of your servant David, do not turn away the face of your anointed one. And David and his men bring the ark to Zion, to Jerusalem. There's rejoicing and celebration, shouts of joy. David himself, if you read the account, David is, is he's so overjoyed as the ark's enters the city he leaps and dances in front of the ark as it moves forward why why did david have his heart set on bringing the ark to jerusalem why was he so overjoyed when the ark finally made it to jerusalem well listen to this this is psalm 27 uh, david writes this he says one thing i have asked of the lord that i will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple, to be near God, to live where he lives, to gaze upon his beauty is worth more than anything else in the world. Psalm 84 puts it so well. He says, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. One thing David wants, to be near God. And so he brings the ark to Jerusalem. And now God dwells in the city of David in Zion. And so the king prays this prayer. This is after David. But the king prays this prayer, Psalm 132, asking for God's blessing, asking for God's favor essentially he says to god remember what david did remember how he brought the ark to zion remember how he swore not to rest until he found a dwelling place for you remember O lord in david's favor but here's where the psalm turns and the second half of psalm was probably sung as a response to this king's prayer in verses 11 and 12 the king's reminded of God's oath to David. The first half is David's oath to God. The second half is God's response, God's oath to David. See, David has it, had, had it in his heart to, bring, uh, to build a house for God. He was living in a palace while God lived in a tent. And that wasn't right. It wasn't right for David, a mere human, even though he is king. It wasn't right for David to live in a palace while the almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, lived in a tent, and so David wanted to build God a temple. <coughs> but God's response to David was no. I said, no, you won't build a house for me. In fact, I'm going to build a house for you. God promised that he would set one of David's descendants, one of his sons on the throne, and would establish his kingdom forever. 
that he would make the kingdom sure, secure forever. And so the king prays this prayer, remember, O Lord, in David's favor. And he hears this response in verses 11 and 12. The Lord swore to David a sure oath from which he will not turn back. One of the sons of your body I will set on the throne. If your sons keep my covenant and my testimonies that I shall teach them, their sons also forever shall sit on your throne. So the king, as he asks for blessing because of David, for the sake of David, he's reminded of God's sure promise. God's promise to David that his house, his kingdom, his throne will be established forever that there would be to come one of David's descendants who would establish this kingdom. And this was Israel's hope. As, as king after king failed to keep God's covenant, Israel looked forward to the one to come who would ultimately fulfill this promise, the Messiah, the one who would keep God's covenant, and who would establish the kingdom forever. As the nation was weakened and split by civil war, as they came under constant threat from the nations around as Assyria and then Babylon invaded, this was their hope. That the Messiah would come. And that the eternal kingdom would be established. That God would give them peace, security, safety on every side. As they returned from Babylon, just a, a remnant, a shadow of the great nation they had once been, this was their hope. That one day the kingdom would be restored. That they would have freedom from their enemies when the Messiah came. When the one promised to David came. This was their hope. And so it was in the days of Caesar Augustus. There were some shepherds out in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night. We know the story well, don't we? And all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord appeared with this glorious message. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Rushing to Bethlehem, they found Mary and Joseph with a baby lying in a manger, Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the one who would establish the eternal kingdom. He was the one who kept God's covenant. He is the eternal king who has established the eternal kingdom. And those who come to him in faith are welcomed in. Citizens of a kingdom that will last forever, living in obedience to a king who will reign forever, blessed beyond compare, because our king kept God's covenant. We are blessed because our king is blessed. Good news. Did you notice in the psalm there's, there's one more section? It doesn't end with the promise to David of a Messiah. In verses 13 to 18, the king's reminded of God's choice of Zion. See, David had it in his heart to bring the ark to Jerusalem. He made an oath 
to find God a dwelling place. But what we discover in verses 13 and 14 is that actually it was God's desire. It was his choice. Look with me at verses 13 and 14. It says, for the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. God was the one to choose Zion. He chose that he would dwell there, not David. David's bringing the ark to Jerusalem in the end served to fulfill God's plans and purposes. And where God dwells, where God dwells in Zion, we see blessing. He says in verse 15, I will abundantly bless her provisions. I will satisfy her poor with bread. Her priests I will clothe with salvation, and her saints will shout for joy. There I will make a horn to sprout for David. I have prepared a lamp for my anointed. His enemies I will clothe with shame, but on him his crown will shine. Better is one day in your courts, right? To be near God, to dwell in his presence, is to be abundantly blessed. And Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, is the one who brings us into God's presence. See, when Jesus was born, when the Son of God, the Word who is God, when he became flesh, it says in the Gospel of John, he dwelt among us. God dwelt among us in Jesus. When you come to Jesus, the Messiah, you're not only welcomed into the eternal kingdom, but you come into the very presence of God himself. In the book of Colossians, Paul says that those who receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, he says they have been raised with him, seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. If you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, if you trust in him this morning, you have been raised seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Not physically, of course. We still live physically here on earth, but spiritually we have been raised. Through the Holy Spirit, we are brought into the very presence of God himself. What we now experience spiritually, one day we will experience physically as well. When Jesus returns, God will make all things new. And there, this psalm finds its final fulfillment. In Revelation chapter 21, we see the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. And God himself will dwell with us in the new Jerusalem forever. For the Lord has chosen Zion, this is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it, says the psalm. We will see his face. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes. All our anxiety, all our fear, all our guilt, all our sin that we so struggle against, all the brokenness and evil of this world will be gone. And we will serve our God and our King, the Messiah, forevermore. Look forward 
for that day as you live for Jesus, the Messiah. We are part of something bigger than this world, bigger than all the kingdoms of this world. We belong to an eternal kingdom. We belong to an eternal king. You look around this world as you look around our country, there's all sorts of brokenness that we see. We live in a, a fractured world. And so many times our, our world and, and, and our future, it looks bleak. And perhaps you might feel that this morning. We belong to something bigger. We belong to the Messiah, God's anointed to the eternal kingdom. Would you join with me in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your promise to David about the Messiah. We thank you for its fulfillment in Jesus, that he is the eternal kingdom. You established his kingdom forever. Father, thank you that by his death and resurrection, you opened the way for us to enter your kingdom. But as we come to Jesus, the Messiah, we thank you that we're welcomed in, that we're given life and salvation, that we're given blessing, not because of what we've done, but because of Jesus. Father, thank you for the way that you fulfill all your promises in Jesus. So that as we fix our eyes on him, we might know that your promises are sure, that you are faithful. And so, Father, we pray that we might look forward to the final fulfillment as Jesus returns. We look forward, we long for the day when we will live in your presence forever. Father, please sustain us till that day. Help us to live for Jesus as our King, trusting him with every part of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.